0: We did this, I don't know, time flies, 10, 11, 12 years ago, it was a long, long time ago, um, to find some time of levity where we can all talk about the thing that we need to talk about, and that is our own mortality. Something that we know intellectually is a a reality, but it's one that I think sometimes it makes no sense, but we think that if we don't think about it, then we, we put it off, which is just nonsense. Um, so we're going ha- to have some good time tonight. Um, we've got um, some wonderful guest speakers. We've got David Niblock talking about law. Um, he's going to be with us in a moment. Um, my good friend Dana Baker from Haywith Miller will be talking about the funeral home part. And then I will, I will finish it up talking about the spiritual churchy part of planning our funeral. We will um, try to keep this to an hour to the best of our ability. After each, one, each person speaks, I will moderate some Q&A. Um, so you don't forget your questions. Here is my request to you, and I will be the Simon Cowell of this uh, of the Q&A. If your question is so hyper-specific that you're the only person on the planet that would have the situation, hang on to it and ask them once it's over, or I'm sure they'll give you a phone number or an email address to follow up on. If it's a general question that we might all share, please ask it. Please ask it. But if it's something really, really, really unique and specific, maybe just hang on to it until um, afterward, just so we can have time for everyone to, um, to, um, to have an opportunity to, to ask. Of course, mortality is something that's on our mind today. We're saddened by the loss of Kenny Morphus, and his requiem is Friday. One thing I'd like to say that Beth asked me to say to you, if you're planning on coming to the funeral on Friday... She's asked, and this is, a, this is something that, um, of course, we've been think, trying to do on Sundays, but she's asked if you would sit at the front of the church if you're, if you're from St. Timothy's because she's expecting lots of people who are new to the church period who will be attending this funeral who won't know what to do. And if we all sit in the back, they'll be at the front. And, and they'll feel exposed, and it's not very hospitable. So she's asking that. The other thing I'll ask you to do if you're coming to the funeral is that um, we're going to do the burial in the churchyard, but we're going to have a lot of people. We're expecting a lot of people. So um, instead of having her entire family just sort of sit there and some, some of her members, family members have some mobility issues, we're going to go in the chapel, and wait until everyone gets around the area, and then I'll bring them out. If you could, you know, yippee Kaye, move people along and get them out there, that would be great, and then we can do the burial pretty quickly, and then we'll have a reception afterwards. But to be that leader would be a great help for us. Also, Becky King is here. She called me about an hour ago to tell me that Martha Watson died, I think, last night. So many of you remember Martha Watson, so she died last night. So we remember her as well. But let us pray. O God, whose days are without end, and whose mercies cannot be numbered, make us, we beseech thee, deeply sensible of the shortness and uncertainty of life, and let thy Holy Spirit lead us in holiness and righteousness all our days, that when we shall have served thee in our generation, we may be gathered unto our fathers, having a testimony of a good conscience, and the communion of the Catholic Church, and the confidence of a certain faith, in the comfort of a reasonable, religious, and holy hope, in favor with thee, our God, and in perfect charity with the world, all of which we ask through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. That's one of the great prayers that we have in the prayer book um, after the service of burial. Lots of wonderful devotions there are there. Okay. Everyone, good. Everyone, ready. Got your food. Got your drink. These um, chocolate eyeballs are awful. Don't get them. <laughs> I will. Uh, I will just take them. Take them home because they really are a disgrace to the to the bakery world. <laughs> they really are good. Uh, I've only had two so far. You know. I'm just checking. You know, one for each eyeball. I got one. to Do that. All right. So, friends. Um, first, of all, let's have uh, David Niblock uh, to come up here and talk to us about. Um, Whatever you want to talk about. I imagine wills, living wills, medical directives, um, suing the living, whatever whatever may be on the uh, agenda. going can do Shane's that for you, to, to, too.
1: I'm gonna just, I'd just like to introduce David. So um, David is a partner with Craig Jenkins Lipford Walker, which is a law firm here in town. Um, interestingly, as I was talking to David, it turns out that uh, David also um, is a friend of St. Timothy's uh, in that he volunteers at our... Um, overflow shelter through his church. Thank you. Uh, I know, isn't that wonderful? Through his church um, um, Sunday school class. So I thought that was a wonderful connection there. So uh, David's practice includes in addition to um, estate planning and estate administration he also does family law, personal injury, uh, traffic and uh, criminal law so if you have any of those areas maybe afterwards you could talk to (laughs) (laughs) david about that as well so i'll go ahead and turn it over to him and we're really grateful for your time tonight thank you
2: thank you shannon good evening everyone and you read that obviously from a website that perhaps was a while ago because i haven't really done much criminal law for those things in a while but uh it's wonderful to be here And, and shannon is correct our I'm a lifelong member of Ardmore Baptist Church and grew up over here in Ardmore and know know a good number of of you folks this evening, so it's wonderful to be here, but our Sunday school class has had a very constant presence at the the shelter, which we all look forward to and try to plan and uh, and are so grateful for y'all's sponsoring that and all the work that goes into it. Interestingly also, I worked for the last six years or so with Ashley Robbins, who is here this evening. And she was a wonderful person for us to work with and for me to work with. And she left me. I don't know what to think about that. Yes, ma'am. Okay, I will do that. Um, so anyway, um, I I'm, thank you for the opportunity to be here this evening. And um, as I said, from an estate planning standpoint and a post, post-death standpoint, what I thought we would talk about a little bit is giving. And methods of giving and then also I will then talk a little bit about end-of-life decisions such as perhaps health care power of attorneys and those sorts of things I for 20 years or so was a, a partner at the firm of Nelson Boyles Niblock and Green uh, and, and had a wonderful relationship with those folks and as the firm disbanded simply because my partners were kind of aging out I went to Craig it was in Craig Brawley Litford and Walker Part of the reason I was drawn to that firm was their horsepower in the area of estate planning and administration. They're really good at it. They're really good at it and so I had always done a lot of that myself and it was wonderful to have a team there that was able to uh, to you know to kind of team up with me and help folks in, in need in that regard. So that is one of the strengths of our firm and also I look at from my very earliest childhood my parents made very clear to me the importance in giving and the importance of your relationship with God. In fact, if I have two children, if they were here tonight and I asked them, Emily and Hank tell us the three most important things in the world they would say. Your relationship with God, your relationship with God, not just God. Two, your family, and three, your friends. So I understand from that dynamic the importance of giving not only your stewardship while you're alive, and all of the 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 vivos ways to give whether it's directly or appreciated stock and all that but also the idea of wanting to benefit and continue that stewardship post death so in that regard there are a number of ways that that can can happen as many of you know hopefully all of you have a will a durable power of attorney, a healthcare care power of attorney, and a HIPAA form that allows appropriate information to be released. If you don't you should have those things. And I'm not saying that because it has anything to do with me. That's just the appropriate estate plan. But those things the will, of course, does not become effective until you pass. And once you pass the will springs into existence and it determines then what happens with your estate, with your assets, with your stuff as well as there are lots of ways to plan outside of the will, For example, with a bank account, I bet you as we sit here, some of you have a bank account, perhaps with a spouse that is titled jointly, or perhaps with a designation that we refer to in a a bank account as a POD, which means paid on death. And what that says is the will will not control what happens to that asset, it will pass under the terms of that contract, that contractual relationship with you and the lender. So there are a number of ways that you can use those things to benefit the church of your choice, the charity of your choice in that regard. So lots of times a will will be drafted, and there are various ways to benefit and to uh, uh, the, the church of your choice. For example, you can just leave a direct amount of a bequest, a specific amount. That would be directed from the estate now you once again you could also do that through an account and i'll talk that about that in a minute lots of times though the challenge with that especially as we have seen over the last several months the stock market's been kind of up and down mostly down i think we would probably say so if you left a specific amount that as of a particular day that you signed your will is a certain percentage of your estate and let's say that the other value of your assets go down that might not be what you then want to benefit the church with, being because the value has gone down. So lots of times we will include in a in a will a specific reference to a percentage of your assets that you might leave. That way you check the box to do what you want to do, but it is more related to the actual the value of the assets at the time that you pass. So lots of times also, depending upon who are the fruits of your bounty, and by that mean I might I mean you might have Uh, spouse, children that you want to benefit, but also want to provide for the church uh, in in the way that you deem appropriate. And lots of times we will say that you can leave specific items of property to the church. Sometimes we might say, and I've done this recently in an estate that I administered with a home over in the British Woods, a house is directed to be sold a piece of real estate. And the executor perhaps of the estate sells the piece of, of real estate goes through all the trouble to do that, and then benefits the church by a direct uh, gift of the cash, which once again accomplishes the purpose in a way that's the most effective and perhaps the least troublesome to the church, as opposed to leaving the real estate to the church for them to then sell or hold as they might deem appropriate. (coughs) As I said, a bank account, a liquid account, account with mostly cash, we have these creatures called a POD, a paid on debt. So you could talk with your bank about Having a POD designation for a particular account that you might want to go to the church. That's a very and that way it passes outside of probate, does not go through the all that's necessary really is a death certificate, and then that goes directly to the church. If it is an account that's not really cash, maybe it's a brokerage account, assets, but but not just money, then you could also leave it what we call a TOD, which is transfer on debt. So a particular portion of that, however you might direct, could also pass that way and once again that avoids probate so all of these things are <coughs> important for you to consider contemplate pray about as you decide how you best might want to <coughs> benefit the church now you know you, you also remember that you can restrict the gift you know lots of times for example at ardmore baptist church we have a number of designated funds that might have been given. Uh, you know, I'm a musician, not much of one, but but try. Maybe I want to benefit the church by making a gift to the music ministry, and so it would be restricted for the purposes under the church's governing documents for the, in that area. But nevertheless, it would still be a gift that I want to make. Or it could be an unrestricted gift. It just says it's for the benefit of the church. However, the governing body, you know, in our case, it would be deacons. Um, but however, the church governing documents would determine who makes that call then it would be used just for unrestricted purposes. <clears throat> now, I'm not going to go into a whole lot of more sophisticated, kind of confusing, complicated things such as a charitable remainder trust, but I would simply say, have an accountant that you can talk with about those sorts of things and have an attorney that can help you do what you want to do, because the whole purpose of, of the will directing it as you see fit is for your intentions to be fulfilled. For you to be able to do what you want to do and again as i sit and look at this group i know that this is a dedicated group of givers who love this church who love the lord and who want to honor both the church and the lord in that regard and there are just lots of ways to go about that so i think the key players are have a good accountant that can help you as you decide how to go about this and, and also a good attorney that can help you make sure everything is in place as you as you want it to be um, you know The charitable remainder trust, as I mentioned, that's the kind of thing where you'd make a gift and it would pay income to a particular beneficiary for life and then go for the benefit of the church as you see fit. So all of those things are out there. And I just think, again, I think the idea is just to be aware that there are ways to do this that would make the most sense to you. Now the health care power of attorney, one of the things that Shannon mentioned was just kind of end of life decisions. In North Carolina, you are allowed to basically designate not only life prolonging measures or the lack thereof, but also how you want to be cared for medically if you are past the point of being able to make and communicate these important end of life decisions or health care decisions for yourself. So don't think that by designating a health care agent that they just immediately walk in and get to decide what happens to you or for you. But it is designed for a situation where a physician determines that you are not competent and able to make these decisions and communicate them for yourself. So you name someone to help you make those important decisions. The document that we use that our kind of firm put together is a very good combination because not only does it deal with those healthcare decisions, but it also provides for end of life decisions. So should you become in a situation where it is doubtful that your situation is going to be better? That you're going to be cured, um, and there's various list of things that you would say. Then you are saying to someone, "Do this to prolong my life, or don't do it." And folks, that is an absolute personal decision between you, your family, and the Lord. However, you might see that to be the case. But it's important to have that in place. Very important to have those healthcare agents named, and it covers lots of things. Whether you might want your, you know, your remains to be cremated, whether you might want. Um, other sorts of things to be done and it can be tweaked it can be modified it can be styled to be exactly what you want it to be as far as those decisions but again it's it's designed to what happens if i need help making these decisions and what happens if i'm in a situation where it's end of life decisions and how i want my health care agent to be guided i have said for 20 years that for that document the health care power of attorney as well as the durable power of attorney which I'll mention very briefly in a minute. There are two requirements. Two requirements to someone that you might name. One, you trust them. Period paragraph. You trust them. Uh, Two, they got some common sense. Because as long as those two boxes are checked, it's going to be all right. Because they will, if they don't know, they'll find someone that does know and get the help they need to make these important decisions. And I realized lots of times within the dynamic of a family there may be reasons we might want this one child to be involved and this one not that's all that's fine that is perfectly understandable but it is just important to have those things in place without them everything becomes so much more difficult uh, i also i, I was mentioning um, The the DNRs, the most, those sorts of things that are doctor-driven, that the doctors do for you. The lawyers don't do that, but those are also things that come about kind of at that end of lifetime. But it's so much better for you to make and communicate these decisions. And kind of back to the will dynamic. Without a will, what happens to your estate? One of the things that folks tell me, David, if you don't have a will, it all goes to the state of North Carolina. No, that's not the case at all. That's not the. But but it is a whole lot more difficult. They pass by what we call intestate then it goes places that, you know, to to, to beneficiaries you might not have intended to benefit and that's what happens if you don't have the will. So it's very important to have that part and aside from the giving through stewardship standpoint. It's just better to have those documents so that you control exactly what happens to you. I mentioned the durable power of attorney and while that, forgive me, is not a totally death-related situation, I just always include that in the discussion because Without that document, without a simple durable power of attorney, someone would have to have you declared incompetent in order for decisions about your well-being and care to be made, financial decisions. So the health excuse me, the durable power of attorney, just like the health care power of attorney, has two requirements for someone to serve as an agent. We used to call them attorney and facts, the law was revised in 18, and now they're referred to as agents. And that is, you guessed it, trust common sense because that that durable power of attorney becomes theoretically effective when you sign it. I was the attorney in fact for my father who died uh, in 1996. I never used his power of attorney until the last 30 days of his life. But it was essential that I had that and let's say that he had not passed then and had continued to live but had been incapable of helping himself without that document. We got a real problem. A real problem and we see this so frequently so you have the opportunity to prevent those problems and benefit the church that you love and uh, I just I, I've always struggled when folks talk about giving because I've always felt like there's a fine line between talking about giving and trying to say well I'm great and I give a lot and I do this and you know, I don't mean any of that at all but I just know how important that is to all of us and I, I think that it's wonderful to consider that and to determine the best part the best way you want to go about benefiting uh, the church. How long has this church been here?
0: Since
2: 1950. Well, that's, uh, uh, that's, that's remarkable. The, the Niblock side of my family were Presbyterians. My mother grew up over in West Salem a Baptist, so you can see who won that argument. <laughs> I, I've always heard that my Uncle Raymond helped found Highland Press after World War II. I've never confirmed that, so please don't if I'm wrong. <laughs> to, uh, but I've always thought that that, that that was very interesting if he in fact did. But, but again, there is just nothing nothing more important to me than my relationship with the Lord. And so the opportunity to continue that by some way to to you know pay back the church on a good gosh, no telling where I would be without the community of our church and everything that they've done for me uh, and I mean that with great sincerity. So the opportunity to give back is wonderful, and it's not just limited to why we're here. So look into that. I think those are the kind of general things that I wanted to say. Um, if I've not you. thoroughly confused everybody enough, I'll try harder. For you.
0: Um, how difficult is it, how labor-intensive and how expensive is it for someone who does not have a will
2: to get one, to make one? That's a great question. It It frequently... The, the idea of just the will is really incomplete without considering the other package of documents. And the package, including the four that I mentioned the healthcare power of attorney slash advanced directive, which is a com- combination living will and the healthcare power, the durable power, the HIPAA form, and the will. And those vary depending upon the particular firm and attorney doing it, but it's going to be anywhere from $700 to twelve or $1,300 for all of it. If you segregated the will out and just did that, it might be a bit less. But, but no good attorney is going to let you do that without at least a very, very significant discussion about needing those other documents.
1: Um, can your health care power of attorney and durable power of attorney
2: be the same person? Absolutely. Now, lots of times they're not. Then there might be various reasons for that, but no, there is no legal restriction. That's also a very good question. There's no legal restriction between them. Uh, Sometimes folks will benefit one child by being who might have skills in the financial area to be the uh, the durable power of attorney agent, and then likewise they might have another child that they say, you know, I know Ashley's solid. She can handle it if I'm falling apart, and she can make the medical decisions. And uh, so it, it is all very, very personal in that regard yes sir there's so much on the internet these days are there forms that you can get on the internet to, to and my response to that would be and again this isn't about me because it's just about it happening right if your plumbing went out would you plumb your house hmm. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. well some folks I've got saying, a friend that does plumbing the fact the, fact of the matter is we run it and I run into this a lot in the family law area because folks will call and say I've drafted my own separation agreement. And, and after I, I've stopped myself from saying what I really want to say, you know, anyway. But no, you can, yes, the forms are there, they can be utilized. North Carolina has some short forms in the statutes for the, the, for the power of attorney and perhaps the healthcare power of attorney, I, I mean, just the durable, but yes, but I simply suggest that lots of times there are little tweaks. I had a healthcare power of attorney recently that I drafted that we just completely changed so fundamentally in so many ways and the form is just going to be the form. So it's the, the honest answer is yes, they're there. You can utilize them. But I think the next part of that would be it would be better for someone to be talk that through with you and make sure that they're doing exactly what you want to be done, if that makes sense. Yes, ma'am. I have been told, and I just want verification
3: on this. I've got will, I've got all of those, power, whatever. But I have been told that they should be reviewed by legal every 10 years
2: there there's no set time but 10 years would certainly not be too often Mm -hmm. Uh, especially the you know lots of times I mean when 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 I was younger I had designated certain folks as trustees for my kids and things and Mm -hmm. you know and that changed some of them passed so yes in that regard absolutely it should be revised I think I think certainly that would be a good time frame if anything maybe a little bit less than that Mm -hmm. now the will may be good it may be just what you want it to be Um, but it is it's uh, and, of course, any time we change states, too. We always, if someone moves into North Carolina from a, another state, you want them to be looked at to make sure that they pass muster and are compliant with our North Carolina law. But 10 years would certainly be no more than that. I think they should be reviewed. Yeah. And usually lots of the lawyers will review that. It's not really at a, at a charge. They look at it and then see if there's anything further that needs to be done. They can address it. That makes sense, I hope. Yeah, thank you. John. Yeah, John. Yes, John. sir. Are there forms like? that you could have prepared before you go to the lawyer that have all the information that they're gonna be needing or I I, I didn't plant him here to ask that question I just wanted (laughs) wanted as I answered what we do is if if you called them then we send you what I call homework Mm -hmm. and and it's stuff usually that we do these days by email and it, it provides really a lot of stuff that's so helpful to us how the assets are titled the the account information you know one of the things I didn't mention but if you have an IRA you can benefit the church with an IRA in a way that's tax conscious and correct and everything but we we try to gather all of that stuff and do our due diligence so that when we get together a we're efficient b we know kind of where we are and we also have a place in there to tell us what you want to do you know if you wanted to leave me one of your guitars then you know you would put that in there but yes so yeah if that makes sense. Laura. Is
1: there an advantage or disadvantage to having a revocable trust? Just a
2: okay, that's a, that's a, another very, very good question. So, frequently, the revocable trust is designed to preserve privacy and to avoid probate fees. Now, here's what I would say about that. In North Carolina, the probate fees are very low. It really isn't, in and of itself, a reason for the revocable trust. If you have the revocable trust and do it correctly, you got to title all your stuff in the name of that trust. Lots of times, something's get missed, so we still have a will that pours over into the trust. And and as far as the privacy, we find the diplomatic way to say this. It does do that, and it avoids probate for those things. But it isn't like that. There, are folks going down through the clerk court's office to look at my estate every day. It it's so. Lots of times. We used to see those advertisements for those revocable trucks, trust packages and everything on TV. And I frankly thought that it was just kind of a money making scheme. There are certain circumstances when it makes a lot of sense. Many times it's not necessary. So once again, that means to me, you talk to a good knowledgeable attorney that can help you decide whether that's a good idea or not. So I hope hope, what trying to be difficult with that. But it's just it's there's not a I, I would say if I had to present it, it would be a lot more that it's not necessary than it is. Yes, sir.
0: Here's a question. So, if they if they want to get in touch with you, if you do you have cards that or anything that they can that, that if they want to come yeah.
2: to see you? So the question is, if you want to get in touch with me, and and I, yes, we I have some cards here, and I actually Ashley has some. So. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah. Good. Anyway, thank I've probably gone longer much. than I was supposed you. to. You know, you're, you're doing great. Yeah. Doing great. Yeah. Thank you.
0: Okay. Thank you. Thank you for your support of our shelter, and um, you know also another connection between um, Ardmore Baptist and St. Timothy's. In the 1950s, there were two brothers that went to different places. John Googe went to St. Timothy's, and his brother went to Ardmore oh, Bill Baptist. Gouge's yeah, about about, absolutely. Just yeah.
2: heroes in life, yeah. and John I know very well yeah. also, yeah. and his son Wes is a personal friend. So yeah, the Googe family is just Good. a wonderful, wonderful group of folks. Terrific people.
0: Yes, indeed. Bill was indeed. a real
2: foundation in our church. Absolutely. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. Thank you. Excellent. So um, now let's move on. This is kind of natural progression. You're preparing to die. You've already made your wills. You've left the church in your will. I mean, we're giving you wine tonight, okay? What would you expect, right? You know, now you've, you've left the church in your will. And then now, you're dead. So now we, we now go to Dana Baker. Now Dana Baker is a good friend of mine. I text Dana almost as much as I text Sherilyn. Um
3: Same. I will say she's she's
0: been she's been an absolute um, um, godsend, especially with the Society of St. Joseph of Arimathea, but just in general. So uh, Dana's gonna to talk to us about all kinds of general things yes. once we die.
3: Yes. So to play off on the- um, Thank you. The, healthcare power of attorney that is one of the the, it's just a great thing to have all of those are but the healthcare power of attorney has a clause where you get um, to have disposition of the body once you pass away so kudos to him going through the healthcare care pile of attorney. Please, if you get nothing else uh, in, in my profession, the health care pile of attorney is what you're going to need if you're taking care of someone else other than your spouse. Okay? Um, I have brought a few things with me. I brought um, my cards and uh, notepads and a personal planning guide. I don't think I brought enough but that's okay. You can email me and I can mail you one or I can bring some more up here to the church and have them ready and Father Steve can go ahead and give them out to you if you're interested. So what, what happens when a person passes away at hospice? If hospice is involved, then then they call the funeral home. Anywhere you pass away, they're going to call the funeral home. The family does not have to call the funeral home. you got enough on your mind. Um, So hospice will call us. The same way with the hospital. You just tell them what funeral home that you want, and then they'll give us a call okay if you pass away unexpectedly and you're at home you call 911 the EMS will come out and then they will get in touch with your doctor and if the doctor said well you know i've not seen him or her in 10 years i'm not going to sign that death certificate so in that that way they're going to have to send you to the hospital most likely baptist so an ME can look at you okay and if he does agree to sign the death certificate we still have to get an ME to come out and look at you to make sure that there's been no foul play if you pass away at home unexpectedly okay the things that a funeral home does once we pick you up if it's in the middle of the night we're not going to call you in the middle of the night we're going to wait till the next morning okay we know it's hard enough on you guys anyway to have to go through this so what we're going to do is we're going to wait till 9 nine thirty, give you a call make an appointment for you to come in to see a funeral director at that time we're going to ask you do you want to be in do you want your loved one embalmed And usually, if you're embalmed, you're going to have an open casket uh, for people to come in and view you. If you're not going to be viewed and you just want your loved ones to tell you goodbye, you don't have to be embalmed. I think a lot of people back in the day, they thought that you had to be embalmed. But you don't have to be embalmed, especially if you're not going to have an open casket. Okay. Also, I have a bit of a cold so I hope you can hear me back there. (laughs) We do the death certificates in-house at the funeral home. We get all the um, information from the family and we will do the death certificates. We send it to the doctor, the doctor will sign off on it and he will put a cause of death. If you're under hospice, they will put the cause of death because you're under their care okay Um, then we'll do the death certificates we'll go over um, ever what you guys want if you want a burial if you want cremation um, we'll go over all of that with you then so we can talk about the financial parts of it Um, a while back people would you could just pay the cash advances and then it got to be to where you would have to pay half the funeral bill and then the other half would be due in 30 to 60 days and now as of January we require a hundred percent upfront unless you have an insurance policy that you want to put against the, you know the uh, the funeral bill we will be glad to file that for you but the reason we started doing that in the state of North Carolina if you don't file with the funeral home and you decide to file on the life insurance yourself, you don't have to pay the funeral home when that life insurance comes back. So what are we going to do? People's like, well, you've been in business for all of these years and all of these people have, you know, come to Hayworth Miller and that's true and we we love all the families and we enjoy taking care of you. but there's no repercussion if you decide not to to pay the funeral home so that there's why we have to go ahead and have a hundred percent up front there is a thing called pre-planning pre-planning i put these booklets back there and you can just fill these out Um, it basically has what you want to have done to your body burial or cremation even if you don't um, do anything with the funeral home, make sure you get one of these and fill it out. Um, it just helps your family and they can look at it and go, oh, I didn't know that she wanted that song played at her funeral. You know, um, it has things like that in here that you can fill out and, and um, that would help the funeral ho- home out a lot uh, in that way. Now, when you pre-plan, basically it is a life insurance policy but it locks the price in okay all the services the casket the vault it will lock that price in if you pre-planned today in 2022 and you don't pass away until 2050 I don't know um, (laughs) it will still be the same price that it was then you pre-planned in 2022. What does not stay the same price would be things like we can't control, like death certificates, uh, flowers, you know, they all change prices, Um, obituaries, the newspaper charges for that. We do it for you, but the newspaper charges for obituaries. So those kind of things we can't lock in for you, but you can set aside monies to take care of that. Okay, so I think I've pretty much covered. Yeah, what kind of questions uh, do you have? Pre-planning, yes, sir.
2: If you have a pre-plan, mm-hmm. and let's say you're overseas when you die, mm-hmm. or you're on a ship that sinks at sea, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> what, what are the financial?
3: That's a very good question. Um, if you're at sea and and they can't find your body or your body goes missing or or you can't, you know, you're you're not found, um, it's an insurance policy. So once you you have a death certificate, you can file on the pre need. Okay, um, your beneficiary can file on the pre need, and it would be paid to you. And the other question was, if you were overseas, do you want to get your body back here?
2: Well, it's it's something that you might not think about, right? and that could be very expensive, I would think.
3: It's very expensive to get your body back. Usually the people that pass away, um, if they're on vacation, there is a thing called, um, that you can, it's like travel insurance that you can get if you're gonna be in Alaska and you're on vacation but you hadn't been feeling well you might want to go ahead and get that kind of uh, insurance because that will get you back here to the states but it's very expensive because you know you have to get permits, you have to you have to get all kinds of stuff when you're traveling from overseas back to here and it takes a while it takes a while. And a lot of places overseas do not embalm like we embalm here in the States. Like if you're in Japan, they're not, they would have to fly an embalmer in because there is no embalmers in Japan. It's 99.9 percent cremation. So you, you would have to fly an embalmer in over there to get you back over here.
0: Linda?
1: If, if you yes. die overseas mm-hmm. and you're cremated mm-hmm. overseas, mm-hmm.
0: then is it easier
3: it to is. get the body back? It is. It, uh, the ashes. The ashes. Yes, it, it's much easier. Do you
0: know mm-hmm. what's interesting? This is this an is aside. I have received someone, a parishioner died in California, mm-hmm. was cremated in California. Mm-hmm. I got the ashes in the mail along with the catalogs yes. that came in. I was stunned. <laughs> oh I'm not yes. joking.
3: In, no. in the, the in the mail yes
0: <laughs> human cremains on the outside just came in mm-hmm. with, the, with
3: the junk mail and everything else uh, absolutely oh yes yes yeah. it's through the mail yeah. tom yes sir
2: does pre-plan mean prepaid or how does that work
3: yes he asked if you pre-plan and prepay
2: does what does pre-plan mean
3: what does it mean it means that you can go ahead and go ahead and make your selections and go ahead and pay for it we do have payment plans. You can make payments on it every month. Uh, some people make payments like uh, quarterly and um, until it's paid off. When it's paid off, it's paid off. You don't keep paying every year. Um, it just, it's, it's paid off until you pass away.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Do certain cemeteries
3: restrict burials um to only embalmed individuals okay so um they only restrict if you're in a columbarium if you uh bought a columbarium they do require embalming Mm -hmm. they do
0: most all Mm-hmm. Brian, and then maybe one more question. So, um With regard to that columbarium here, is there a specific urn
1: that we have to use here at St. Timothy's?
0: Not, not as specific as outside. We have a space, it just has to fit in the space. And so mm-hmm. here, and if you want to do and maybe Shannon, won't, where Shannon? Well, well, oh, there she is. Quarters, she may want to talk about this later. But, but <laughs> we, have, we have our niches in the columbarium here have space for, for two standard boxes and a little bit more room. Um, so you could upcharge the upgrade the urn if you wanted to, and there's still be some some room in there.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of places do have specific um, dimensions. You know, for the urns. So if you go, I I did a funeral once, and I told the lady, I'm like, it, it's it's not gonna fit, and she's like, well, that's what I want, and it did not fit. So she wanted to, <laughs> what? that's what that's she what wanted, and yeah. it it did not fit. So we we just tried to manipulate it a little bit, took the lid off, and. and sh- Yeah, it didn't fit. (laughs) It did not fit. We tried. Listen to your funeral director, right? Is that that the moral to that story? Yeah, she said she thought it was going to fit, but it did did not. So, um, but yeah, if you guys have any specific questions, I left my card back there. Um, you can email us uh, if you're interested in coming in and just putting a few things down on paper and you don't know if you want to pay for it yet you don't have to pay for it just get one of the personal planning guides and, and fill it out uh, and uh, there's some back there on that table and um, that's about it thank
0: you thank you Dana thank oh you're so much. welcome
3: thank you.
0: Fantastic. We're doing great on time, thank you very much. And I'm gonna to try to share my computer screen if I can. If not, I'll just go on with it here. Let's look. You don't have to see this. All I want you to know about this part is so, again, you, you are planning for your death, you're dead, and now we need to bury you. Um, we do have on the website, and the website's going to be updated, but this will still be here. Everything that's in the Book of Common Prayer, all of the options, and all of the local things that we have in this church are on the website to already answer some of your questions. And so, what you can do now, and people have done this, and I have, I have a folder, I have a, uh, a cabinet of people's burial instructions that long before I ever, I think I have some long before I was born, honestly, that are that are you know yellowed in the in the in the file. And then whenever someone dies, the first thing I do if I get the word, I look in the folder to see what's there if I have something for them. And I can't tell you, I can't tell you how, how helpful that has been for children who may not be religious children, despite your best efforts, to come in and try to plan your funeral. And they have all this um, guilt and anxiety and not knowing what mom or dad would have wanted. Um, but when it's already there, it's so much easier. This is what they wanted, this is what we're going to do, and there we are. It's really, really super easy. So you could do this tonight or whenever. Um, I'll put it in the email that goes out with a good link, and you just simply fill everything out. Um, And i tell you what's interesting is, this is my advice, is that if you have certain details in your obituary that your survivors may not know about, write it down. Remember, my grandmother died, we had no idea where she went to school. We knew she did, but we didn't know. Um, so maybe your children or grandchildren may not remember that well. Write it down for them. Um, but here we have um, all the regular information. I know you can't see this, but the good news is, to, to, I'm going to be very brief, because many of you have been to lots of our funerals. I, you know, we, we, this is old hat for us. I want to make um, one major um, comment, is that the funeral... A Christian funeral, much like the Queen's funeral that I'm sure most of us saw bits and pieces, was a Christian proclamation more than anything else. It was a statement about the Christian belief about life and death and life after death. And so when we do a Christian burial, it's not a summation of your life, it's not a celebration of your life, it is a proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ that brings us eternal life. And so, the thing that I try to tell survivors is the funeral is not for the living, the funeral absolutely is for the dead. And let me just give a prime example of that from the Book of Common Prayer. And that's when we bury Kenny Morphis uh, on Friday, the prayer that we will use at his burial is this, and it's the same one in both Rite 1 and Right 2. O God, whose mercies cannot be numbered, accept our prayers on behalf of thy servant, Kenny. And grant him an entrance into the land of light and joy and the fellowship of the saints through Jesus Christ, etc., etc., etc. It's all about him and accept our prayers on his behalf. And this is what we are doing. We are accompanying the deceased in this final journey, and we're doing two things. We're commending their soul to Almighty God. That's the part we do into the church. You know, receive, O Lord, into your hands, O merciful Savior, we commend thy servant. Kenny, acknowledge we humbly beseech you, a sheep of your own fold, lamb of your own flock. You've heard this hundreds of times, right? That's the commendation, commending the soul to God, and then we commit the body to the earth. That's our Christian duty, and that's what we do. And so the service should proclaim that. Um, Other things that celebrate one's life and their legacy are more appropriately done in many, 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 many other avenues that are done with more authenticity. Uh, and can better um, reflect the person's life. But in the church, this is what I tell people, if you're 97 years old, you do not, it's a disservice to try to sum your life in 45 minutes. It's not fair, and nor do we try. Like, remember the Queen's homily? How do you sum up her life in eight minutes? But the archbishop did a good job proclaiming the good news of the Lord. So keep that in mind. There are a couple options. Write one, write two. Do you want communion? Do you not want communion? My advice is have communion. I personally don't understand why people are worried about the service being too long. You're dead. (laughs) (laughs) Where do you have to go? And frankly, I want people to be a little inconvenienced for my death. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: I and mean, it's strange that we run red lights, we try to rush through, take our time. <laughs> so I always say, have communion, um, and my, I will say this as well. People will say, well, I have friends that are Jewish or friends. Trust them. They know what to do, and they want, they, they'll know this is, they're coming to the church knowing it's a Christian funeral. That's not going to be a shock to them. <laughs> I promise And if you went to a Jewish funeral, you won't say, "Holy smokes, this is Jewish." No, for sure. So if they don't want to take communion, they won't take communion it's fine. it's absolutely fine. From my standpoint, like you know we expect 300 Friday. I told the ultra guild let's just have 200 hosts to begin with. That's probably about right, about, about two-thirds maybe. so don't worry about it. have it. The readings that we have. Are, are, drop down and there's some summaries, we need to stick to those readings because this is a Christian proclamation of death and if we open the readings up to anything we may get some really really strange readings. I don't want to read from Song of Solomon in your funeral, you know, or anything kind of really weird about that, but if it's open you could have that and then this is also an act of the church and not simply your own personality. At the reception, blow it out and do whatever you want to do. Um, have every kind of music you want to have. Have a great time. Uh, but the readings are there. Unlike Dana was saying, do you want to be cremated or not? The church is prepared either way. We just can't bury you in a, in a, in a casket here at the church. Uh, but in terms of theology, Let me say this about cremation. People always are worried about cremated bodies in the resurrection. Let's just think this through. Um, before embalming, all of our bodies had some sort of cremation. It just took a longer time. That's what decomposition is. So um, we have a glorified body not a zombie body that we're reassembled you know back in how we're put in the ground. So there really is no there is no theological impediment to to cremation at all. So it, don't don't let that bother you. Um, Place of burial, we now have two places, the St. Timothy's Churchyard, the-, the um, Memorial Garden. Yeah, Memorial Garden, it's a bit more than a memorial garden, there's actually people there, so um, that's why we kind of, you know, the, the name is kind of complicated. We're, we're expanding as much as we can, you have to realize there's a gas line going underneath those graves, and we don't want to hit the wrong one when we <laughs> dig, but we're doing the best we can, but we are getting more and more. Uh, and frankly, frankly, as people move toward the columbarium side more spaces are opening up outside. So we're having more and more. So once upon a time, we had only a handful left. Now we have more open and we're able to expand a bit. So call Chris in the office uh, and we have a beautiful chart um, and we can, we can help you out with that. Once you do this and hit submit, it now comes to my computer. You can have a copy uh, and then it's easy. Can you change it? Absolutely. Um, but that's a good place to start to, to get things going. Um, and the other thing I will say is because one's death is such a, I mean, it's, 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 it's something we all know is coming and um, it's, it's, a, it's a, I mean, it's a traumatic event for survivors. Once you make two or three major decisions, like which funeral home are you going to use, then that ball is already rolling and they will take care of that and there's not much you have to do beyond those decisions. And then once you make a few decisions for, your, you know, for the service, the day, the time, what kind, then we take care of that for, from there. And you can spend the days in prayer. You can spend the days leading up to the funeral with your family and, and grieving appropriately. So I think that people are surprised. I think they expect a thousand decisions have to be made and they're probably four or five, honestly. I mean, they're, they're big decisions, but they're not that many. And once you make them, then things begin to take care of themselves. Um, so that's, that's just the general in a nutshell thing. And we're, we've got a few minutes left, so I'm going to pause.
2: During the service in the sanctuary, are cremains uh, allowed in, or is
0: it no? No, cremains are there, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Just no bodies.
0: No, well, I mean, no, we have both. Oh, if, if you're in a casket, we have a beautiful pall for your oh, casket, oh, yeah, and if you're a cremains, a we we have both. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. You meant that we can't bury the whole. So, yes, yeah, sorry, That's we can't right. we yeah. can't put a casket in the ground here. Okay. But we can That's absolutely true. do the funeral here, one hundred percent. Yes. Sally.
1: If you decide to leave, if I decide to leave my body to med students, which yep. probably to do, it won't come back for six. or five, It's fine. So I can just
0: do my funeral. Completely. So we would we would he, do. We can do a funeral without the body present and do the committal later, like when David Cohn dies. He will be buried at Arlington. And, and we're on Arlington's schedule at that point. And David tells me, we may get two days' notice. And if you can make it, great. If you can't, sorry, but they're burying dozens a day you know, in Arlington, and that's, that's what they do. Um, so we can absolutely do that. Let me say this also, finally, about your funeral. We can make it as big as you are willing to pay, or we can make it as simple as it needs to be. If you love music and you want a choir, put that in your will and allocate um, about $1,000. For a $1,000 will buy a full eight person paid singer choir for all kinds of music. I mean, the reality is, is that if you die and we do your funeral on a Tuesday at 11, we'll pull whatever singers we can, but they're working. But if you want good music and you want singers, it's not that much in the grand scheme of things. We can do that. Absolutely.
3: If somebody were to fill that out online, does it put it in a good printable format so that they can print it and put it in their own home records or give it to people in their family? It's
0: just to me, but I can print it out and mail it to you if you do that.
1: If you, if your funeral service is
0: right, one, mm-hmm.
1: can you still have incense? <laughs>
0: What kind of question is that? Can you have incense?
1: Yes, absolutely. No, but absolutely. But you normally just have it at right two,
0: right? Well, what is the question? I to have it at right oh, the one. Other way around. Uh,
1: okay, I'm so sorry. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. And
0: Steve, the question was—it um, was really an odd question to me. She was asking if we could have incense if it was right two. I think is what you meant. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You can have it at right three if you want to. I don't care. We'll 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 bring it out there. No, absolutely. John. David, if you're
1: making plans to donate your body. Yep or parts of your body, and it's gonna be a while. Uh, Do you have a funeral within the three,
0: four days? I would, so Sally asked a similar question. I would, I would go ahead and do it so your family can have that closure. And then, I mean, two things happen. I mean, like, I know that that probably um, Wake Atrium has its own service in Thanksgiving for, you know, for the cadavers. Um, And then, um, yes, no, I would have something pretty pretty early on and then and then it could be a committal later and there's a, is
1: there any ceremony when when they're done with the body and then they cremate it and then you get
0: to or... We would do the committal. So let me just say this really quick. The the prayer book funeral service that you are f- familiar with is a Uh, condensing of five separate services. And when you're bored on Sunday, um, you can flip through the prayer book and see remnants of all five. The first one is the procession from the home to the church. Because remember, before we had funeral homes, you would be in someone's home and someone had to carry you to the church. And there there are, you know, in village churches, the lych gate which is, looks very much like the gate we have here um, up here in front of the memorial garden. That's where the family or the people would bring the body to the church and the church would take it from there. But there'd be a procession of scripture readings and psalms while you're walking to the church. That's, the remnant of that is, I am the resurrection, I am life, saith the Lord, he that believeth in me, etc., etc., etc. You have that part. You saw it in the queen's funeral. By the way, the Queen's funeral was a beautiful prayer book funeral, the same funeral you would have for a poor little person in Norfolk you had in in Westminster Abbey. Uh, But the procession coming in while all those people came into the church, that's service number one. Service number two would be the office of the dead. We're doing this for Kenny Morphis actually uh, at evening prayer tomorrow. It's the daily office but for the dead, psalms, scripture readings. That's the liturgy of the word that we now have in some prayers. The third one would be the Requiem Mass. These would all be at different times, by the way. You come to the church, Office of the Dead, Requiem Mass, which is a requiem is Latin for rest eternal. It comes from the first words of the introit, rest eternal, grant to them, O Lord. And it's just a a Eucharist for the dead. That's That's what that is. Um, and remember, you've heard me say this in funerals especially, St. Monica, the mother of St. Augustine, is where we have the first instance of someone of the church offering a Eucharist on behalf of the dead. When Monica was dying and Augustine was you know, terribly disturbed that they were away from their home, they were in Italy and they were from Africa, Monica, who prayed for Augustine to become a Christian, and it worked, looked at Augustine and said, Put my body wherever you want. One thing I ask of you, remember me at the altar of the Lord wherever you may be. So that's really one of the first instances we have of saying Masses for the dead. So the Requiem Mass. The, um, the fourth one would be the absolution of the dead or the prayers for the forgiveness of sins of the deceased. This is now the commendation. Um, into your hands, O oh merciful Lord, we commend your servant. And then you do The burial which is the committal. So all five pieces are all in one liturgy, but they're all there. And so they could be separated, and sometimes they still are. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, by your death you took away the sting of death. Grant to us your servants so to follow in faith where you have led the way, and that we may at length fall asleep peacefully in you and wake up in your likeness for your tender mercy's sake. Amen. 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 Thank you all very much.